Inside Curling. It's my new intro. You've tuned in to Inside Curling. Hi, everybody. It's Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with another episode of Inside Curling. It's our weekly episode after a bunch, bunch of shows last week during the Scotties. Uh, we welcome all of you. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And joining us, as always, I don't think you guys have missed a show. Warren Hansen, our World Curling Hall of Famer, the governor, the mayor, the reverend, the ambassador, the guru of curling. And some other words that we won't say here. And, and the strict disciplinarian. <laughs> and of course, Kevin Martin, the goat baby, uh, joins us each and every week. Uh, we do it, uh, yeah, once, once a week. And uh, we're back doing our regular show only to go next week with the Briar and doing a bunch more for you. Stay tuned. We keep you right up to date during the week. Uh, we want to recognize all of our sponsors. Jackpot City who brings you what is happening around the curling world. Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline who brings you in the house. And we have a heck of a guest for you. Tracy Flurry is going to join us uh, fresh off her victory. Wiping out the field, Kev? Would that would that be wiping out undefe- unbelievable? Yes, wiping out the field. That's true. Yeah, we'll get your reaction to that, of course. Uh, the Scotties. Uh, we're going to talk about that, and uh, we're going to review our picks. I purposely don't write mine down, Warren, so I can by surprise go, "Oh, I beat you guys again," but I'm not sure. We're going to have to look at that. <laughs> don't hold your breath. The world, <laughs> the world juniors. Uh, U21 was completed last Saturday in Finland. Canada was represented, of course, both men and women, and we're going to find out what happened there. We've got to make a correction, Warren. Is that what you've told me here? We made a mistake? A little deviation, yes. Was it me again? Uh, no, <laughs> it was me. The Briar starts Friday. We're going to take a look at the teams, make our picks uh, for the final six. Kevin, you've got a big event happening in the U.S. over the next little while. Uh, they're being done in conjunction with the Lupus Foundation, uh, not your first time involved with them, Kev, so we'll, we'll get an update on that. Hot Rock Topics, we've got to look at an email. What are you hearing? The semifinal at the Scotty was over before it started with Jennifer Jones scoring five in the first end to Kate Cameron, would have been her biggest event of her life at that point. Immediately, social media lit up with people wondering why Cameron had to continue on and play nine full ends. Why could they not quit sooner? I know why. Because they didn't want to. How about that? Who knows? If you give up five, Kev, you might score five. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) In the house, one of my favorite spots on the show. It's brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's Momentum shoes are unbelievably comfortable with a fast, reliable slider and a gripper that will keep you steady on the ice. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. I got to get the doorbell fixed, boys. Everyone has to knock when they want to come in. Yeah, there we go. Open that door. Ding dong. <laughs> Tracy Flurry joins us. Congratulations, Tracy. Fireworks. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the reigning Scottish champion. Congratulations. Uh, if, you, if you had your head in the sand, you didn't know that the Scotties was completed last week in, in uh, Calgary on Sunday. And uh, the winner was Team Holman. And Tracy Flurry, of course, is the third in that team. And uh, thanks so much, Tracy, for joining us. And way to go. Way to go, fella. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me. 
Talk about the week. I mean, not, not only did you win, but you you never lo- never lost a game um, out of Scotty's. How'd you guys do it? Yeah, it was an awesome week out in Calgary. It's been a, a great season, actually. We've this is year two with the team, and I feel like everyone's just kind of getting comfortable, settling into their new roles. And uh, yeah, it's been a great year, and we kept we were able to keep it rolling at the Scotties and go undefeated. And um, we did go undefeated, but we did have some really good battles out there too. Some close games that came down to the wire, so that was pretty exciting. Yeah, you're you're a quick champion on a new team. Uh, you went to Rachel's team in 2023, uh, which is of course only a year ago. And um, can can you go back there, Tracy? First of all, and, and bring us up to speed on what what the decision was to join that team and and how it all came about. Yeah, it all happened quite quickly. Actually, after the last quad, um, my previous team based out of Manitoba, we met and we decided that we were going our separate ways. Um, so that I didn't really know um, what would come after that. If maybe I would take a step back or look for a new team, I wasn't too sure. But then it was like a day or two later, the phone rings. <laughs> it was Rachel. So I'm like, oh, this is an interesting opportunity. And it just kind of <laughs> happened really quick from there. Uh, Rachel's uh, starting to go down, um, particularly after Jennifer Jones retired. Uh, they got to they got to replace her with the goat. Uh, goat, folks, greatest of all time. And uh, they threw they threw uh, Rachel Holman's name in there right away. Um, talk about Rachel for a second, and then um, we'll, we'll get the boys to come in. What 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 separates her, Tracy? For you've been around curling a long time and and played at a you know world world class level. Yeah, Rachel is a very special talent for sure. I remember the first time I played against her. I, she was like 13 years old. I was like 16, and we played in like a bantam provincial. And I just remember being like wow, like, why is she so good already? Like, she's 13 years old. She was incredible making everything. And then she just kept it rolling from there. And she's just so focused, so determined, and, like, so committed to excellence and precision and perfection and um, just an incredible teammate. And she makes me want to be the same and bring out my best and – She's also very confident, and I find I feed off her confident energy too. And um, yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed playing with her and learning from her. Yeah, and uh, after after watching it, I watched all week and uh, saw you guys, of course. Um, am I wrong if I say she she's she confers a little more uh, with shots that need to be talked about? Uh, other skips might sort of take the bull by the horns and go, "No, I got I got this," but. She she seems to me anyway that that she she talks to you guys a lot more than uh, than perhaps other skips. Yeah, I think Rachel knows that it's a team game and she respects her teammates a lot in our opinions and um I think just being able to throw out an idea and see what her team thinks is helpful to her. So sometimes having those team discussions in those critical moments can be helpful get everyone on the same page and get everyone buying into the same shot. Oh boy, Tracy, I got a million things to ask you, but thank you, first of all, for taking the time. I, I, it's got to be crazy times right now for you trying to get ready for your for the world championships, but uh, I'd love to take you back to the last shot of Jennifer's. You guys didn't have to throw your last one. From behind your eyes, watching a stone of that magnitude coming down the sheet, when did you know the line you're going, hey, that that line's a little tight? Like when did When did you know that, 
hey, you're going to be the champion. Well, I was kind of preparing myself like she was going to make it. I mean, it's Jennifer Jones. She lives for those shots, those precision shots. And um, I thought she was going to make it. So Rachel and I were talking about what we were going to do when she made it. And I think Rachel would have had a shot, maybe a hard one, but she was going to have something. So we were talking about how to make that. And then, yeah, about halfway down, it, it did look a little tight, but... Her sweepers are very good, very strong. And then they, they were holding it. So I'm like, I think it's rubbing, but it ended up being a lot closer than I thought. Those sweepers did a really good job of holding the line. And then it just barely rubbed. So if that thing gets by, it would have been back four shot. What what was your next shot? Do you think it would have been the intern come around freeze or with the outturn tap? I think it depends how deep Jen's shot was, but it, <laughs> the outturn little tap was looking looking pretty good to me, I think. And Rachel, Rachel's so making too. everything. I, I'm, I'm confident that she would have made that one too. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, she really did. Well, the whole your whole team was incredible the uh, the whole week. Actually, um, I do want to talk a little bit about the semi the semifinals. That was a very big one. You guys stole the extra end against Jones. How important was that so that you get that hammer in the final? Yeah, hammer obviously a big advantage. Um, so we wanted that win for sure, and also a little bit of extra rest on the final day, I think was helpful. Um, so I think it was the one, two game was great to get out there only game out there and just experience some of those nerves and a tight battle. It's kind of nice that it was a close game so we could feel what a close battle feels like. And, um, uh, Jen's team was making a ton of shots and, um, it was an exciting game. Lots of rocks in play, lots of runbacks. It was, uh, we enjoyed that game a lot. Well, we sure enjoyed watching it. Uh, Warren, go ahead. I got a few more, though, for you, uh, Tracy. Thank you. Great. Well, congratulations, Tracy. Well done. I'm looking at the shooting percentages of your team. Rachel, 89. Eight percentage points higher than any other skip. You're also 89. Higher than any other second or third. Six percentage points ahead of your closest competitor. Emma was right up there, too, at the top of the level. All three of you were first-team All-Stars. So this team has really come together. I know you struggled a bit last year. What's kind of made it all happen that you've peaked at this point in time to have this uh, phenomenal event last week? Yeah, I think last season was still a good season. Like we were learning a lot and trying out some different things, but still pretty good. Won a couple slams, um, struggled a little bit at the Scotties, but it's still a good first season. But now I think just we're all like settling in, getting comfortable. And um, when your teammates are playing well, it makes your shots easier and like it's kind of like a a domino effect so um my teammates help me make a lot of shots like we have amazing sweepers we have um one of the best ice readers and line callers in the world in the house so um I think we help each other make a lot of shots out there and um always communicating always mapping the ice and all that information we share with each other helps so when you agreed to become part of this team some Interesting things had to happen. Emma, who had played third for Rachel for pretty much all her life, was moving to second, and you were moving into the third spot. You mentioned Rachel called you. How did this all come about, and how did you guys discuss and agree to make this all work with Emma moving down and you moving into her old position? How did that all come together? Yeah, we didn't know at first like what the lineup would be at all. Um, that came later, but we just knew that we wanted to try to make something work. And then we just wanted to make sure that everyone was like 
open to trying new things, trying new positions, and everyone was. So we're like, okay, let's form the team and we'll figure out the positions later. And um, so our first year together, I, I was skipping. I was in the house throwing third. And I think that was a really good uh, transition year for me. It kind of helped me um, sort of get used to the third position, um, like the different shots and the, more of the setup shots, more hitting, um, but still having that comfort of skipping, which I've done for so long. Um, so I think that year really helped me transition into full out third position this year. So you're off to the Women's Worlds in Sydney, Nova Scotia in a very short period of time, just about two weeks from now. I'm looking at the lineup for this event, and I kind of go, wow, Peterson, USA, Hasselborg, Sweden, Terenzoni, Switzerland, Gim, Korea, Skaskillen, Norway, Constantini, Italy, and more. I assume you've played pretty much all of them at one time or another. Is there any one of those teams that you maybe had struggles with over the time or that stands out to you maybe a little bit more so than the others? It's, yeah, an incredible field, so much talent, and the the strength of the international teams, it's incredible. So um, we're lucky we've had the opportunity to play um, almost all of them on the Grand Slam Tour, so that's helpful. Um, Team Gim, uh, we lost a slam final to them. They're, like, such a good up-and-coming team. They found so much consistency. They're definitely going to be tough, and, um, I mean... Sylvanas team, like they've won the world championship so many times. They're always um, such a contender. And then you have like Hasselborg and there's just, there's so many great teams. Um, but we'll try to just uh, stay in the moment, stick with our game. And um, we'd really love to bring back a medal for Canada. Um, so Tracy, yeah, thanks Warren. Um, so getting back to watching the your, the semifinal, of course, and uh, the final, um, there's a lot of impact brooms out there. <laughs> and of course, we, we love to show Gold Line our sponsor love, but but, Yay, but there was line. a lot of gold line out in that final. Uh I I I guess the advantage of of uh, of that brush head and uh, obviously it was working very well with both of your teams being so strong on the brushes. Yeah, we um love our gold line equipment. Um they're a wonderful sponsor and they always give us their their best equipment and um are always like open to feedback and their products and stuff. And um, yeah, our sweepers work really hard. They're always in the gym and they're always pushing themselves to be better. And um, we're really fortunate to have two of the very best on this team. Hey, I want to ask you one thing about your, your uh, release. Um, it's changed quite a lot from two years ago. Uh, more rotation. Um, and if you don't mind me saying, your your hitting has improved greatly. I think, in my opinion, over the last couple of seasons, I guess how much work did Jeff put in? I get that this question a lot from people when they when they watch Team Holman, Team Mowat, When I'm doing the uh, curling academies all over the place, how am I going to learn to throw like that? So how hard was it? Because you used to be around two and a half, three rotations. Now you're more like in the five, six uh, area. So how, how tough of a change was that? Yeah, I'd say in in year one, that was a bit of an adjustment for sure. Like sometimes the broom would go down. And for me, it's like, oh my gosh, that ice is tight for my release. But eventually when you keep seeing that ice and like, you're not going to keep over curling, you're going to adjust for it. Um, So just the more you get used to that ice and the rotation that you need to make that shot um, helps. But yeah, at first it was a bit of an adjustment, but I'd say in year two, it just it feels natural now. Like uh, I don't really, I don't think about it anymore. It certainly looks natural. 
It's been fun playing the third position and getting to play more of those hit shots, run backs, peels, and more setup shots. Yeah, I've always been like more so of a drawer, but so now sometimes there's games where I only throw like one or two draws, so it's an adjustment for sure. Uh, one last question here. I'll throw you back to Jimmy. Um, in the final, I've had lots of people, we've talked about it to a lot of different people, and I guess I'd like to hear your thoughts about uh, how how the, how the end of the game, and you guys won, but there was there was the... The team home and going undefeated. Oh my God! And and you winning your first well, first uh, championship, but then we had Jennifer Jones retiring for goodness sake. Oh, not retiring. I shouldn't say that. She still got the Players Championship for goodness sake's coming up. Yes. That she's won six times, so she wasn't retiring. But re- her last Scotties game. Um, I guess your feelings of that, like how, the push pull, or like what should I do, or or how did you feel? Yeah, it was really special to be able to share the ice with Jen there for her last Scotties game. Um, she's had such an incredible career and so many people have looked up to her and learned from her. And like, I remember playing juniors, watching her compete at the Scotties and um, yeah, she's just such an incredible strategist. Um, I love the game that she calls and how there's so many rocks in play and it's just like a lot of fun. I think I've learned a lot from her over the years and um, yeah, I think it was nice that she got a special moment out there after her after her final game and the crowd was loving her and really supporting her and she had her family and her teammates there and uh yeah it was a special moment for sure it was kind of cool with how the crowd because the crowd was super homing too (laughs) so it was very interesting i really enjoyed watching it um watching the whole thing and you're going well geez Holman won but yes you got jennifer jones like oh my goodness like what what does the crowd do right like what a like you got to cheer like crazy for a team home going undefeated, but then you got to cheer like crazy for Jennifer and you get like, Oh my goodness. And tears all over the place at the Martin house for sure. And it's just, you know, that's just the way it went. But anyway, anyway, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful event and a great Scotties and terrific final Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Tracy, you've been to the Scotties seven times. I'm trusting Wikipedia. That sounds right to me. <laughs> okay. That sounds right. <laughs> Certainly a nemesis of Warren is the constant format change that's happened at these national uh, levels. I'm sure over the seven times you've been there, there, there must have been, you know, maybe there's seven different formats. <laughs> I don't know. Two pools now. Sometimes A plays A, sometimes B plays B. Then A just plays A, B plays A. It's, you know, a crossover. What are your thoughts on the format, uh, Tracy and... Uh, you know, assuming you have played different formats and, and what, what do you like or what don't you like? Yeah, it's a tough one. There's no perfect solution, it seems. And I've played many different Scotties formats. My first Scotties was we were representing Team Ontario and it was just like a full round robin, which was great. There's something nice about playing every team in a national championship, I think. Um, but then it's also nice to have um, the inclusion from all um parts of the country too so I'm a Northern Ontario girl so it was pretty exciting when Northern Ontario was introduced um, a few late years after that and then I played in the relegation format Um, that didn't last very long the format last year I think was close but I didn't love the sudden death your first playoff game was sudden death like we finished second in our pool and then we were suddenly in a sudden death first playoff game and we also never got the opportunity to play team Anderson um, so that was kind of odd last year, but I, I'd say this year um, has been one of the better ones. I like how they, they slightly tweaked the playoff format this year compared to last year, and I think it was uh, a bit better. And no tiebreakers. 
Yeah. You you guys weren't in one, but what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel for those teams that end up in that situation. And I know if I was a team tied, I would want to go play for it. But I also understand that it can be like a scheduling nightmare. So again, like no perfect answer there, I think. Um, Tracy, how did it all start for you before we let you go? Um, was it, was it, um, you're, you're from Sudbury, fellow Sudbarian. Yeah. Punch it. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it always going to be curling for you, Tracy? Um, or, or were there other things that interested you at the time? And, uh, how, how did you get involved in it and, and talk about that, your path to the top? Yeah, our parents put us in a lot of different sports growing up. I tried a lot of different stuff like dance, gymnastics, a bit of baseball, tennis, love tennis. Started curling at five years old and just uh, really just loved it. Loved like the teamwork of it and like the strategy. And um, yeah, my dad coached us for a while. So it was really had like a family vibe to it. And I played with my sister for many, many years. So I think the early years, that's what I really um, especially loved about it was getting to go out and travel and compete with her. And um, yeah, I think that's what I loved about it. Watching the Scotties all week. It, uh, there were a lot of kids there. You have a kid, child, I should say. Uh, it's uh, three years old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You started at five. Uh, when When's the three-year-old going to start throwing rocks? <laughs> <laughs> Already has. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, maybe we'll get her out there in a couple of years. But um, yeah, she's tried some sports so far. She's done a little bit of gymnastics, a little bit of soccer, swimming, um, no curling yet, but I'm sure soon. I just want to expose her to a bunch of different sports and uh, see what she likes. I don't want to pressure her <laughs> into anything, but I think it is um, nice for kids to get the opportunity to play sports and um I think it just helps with confidence and building relationships. And um, yeah, I think I would like her to have the opportunity. Cool. Uh, before you go, Tracy, you, you, you just went a super huge event and you're on your way to a super bigger event. Um, there's two schools of thought here. Uh, you guys are rolling. You guys are rolling and you're going to play in the worlds very quickly. Naysayers say it's too quick. But other people might say, Let, let's keep it going. I wish we could start tomorrow because we are on a heater, as they say. Is it enough time, Tracy? Would you like more time? Or do you like this where you get to virtually go from one to the next? I think maybe just one more week would be nice. We are feeling a little bit rushed right now. But I mean, at the same time, we are playing very well. And you do want to ride that momentum. So I don't think the timing's awful. If I ha- if I was able to pick, I'd maybe add one more week in between just to allow more time to just like come back down and like make travel arrangements, get in some practice. And um, I think that'd be helpful. We were talking off air. I think Kevin said, it's time to get a slam in Sudbury. And uh, you said, oh my God, that would just be awesome. Uh, you know, playing in front of your home crowd. Well, you're, you're on your way to play in front of your own crowd. Uh, Sydney is going to just be upside down. Uh, with you guys. What a rush that'll be for you. Yeah, we're really excited to wear the Maple Leaf and to get get to compete in the World Championship in home, at home in Canada and feel that crowd support. Uh, yeah, we just can't wait to get out there. When do you get all the when do you get all the merch? When do you get all the wearables? That's always a big day <laughs> when the big box shows up at the door with 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 the uniform. 
Yeah, I don't know. We've been sending our sizes and we've seen some of the stuff so far. It looks really nice. And yeah, we can't wait to get our hands on it. Tracy Fleury has been our guest, the reigning Scotties champion, plays third for Rachel Holman. They went undefeated and they're on their way to Sydney uh, to take on the world. You know, that's a that's a literal expression. You're going to take on the world. Tracy, get back to work. No no rest for the wicked, okay? And, you got uh, it. <laughs> good luck on behalf of everyone uh, who's, who's a fan. Uh, all the best. We'll be watching for sure. See you later, Tracy. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, there she goes. Yet another guest, uh, Kevin, that when I hear her talk and listen to her interview, I say to myself, curling is in really good hands at the top level. <clears throat> doesn't doesn't Tracy just come off as friendly? <laughs> just like, you know, totally. just, just the whole thing, bubbly and excited to play, loves the game, all those wonderful things. And man, did she play well, 89% for the week at third. And, and it's not an easy 89 the way Rachel calls the game. Like, there's a lot of pressure, especially on the third. It used to be Emma years ago, and now now Tracy. She's needed to make a lot of runbacks, a lot of big shots need to be made. And she, 89% she made them, and and uh, that's an undefeated team when you get uh, that kind of strength out of your third. Uh, Warren, if you look at the two of them, Tracy and Rachel, one is like, you know, all business. She's got that stern look, you know, Rachel all the time. Everyone, everyone, uh, and, and Rachel says, I, I do laugh once in a while. Get off my back that I don't, <laughs> I don't smile. But Tracy just has this unbelievable rapport on the ice. Uh, they're like, sort of like polar opposites, Warren, but man, is it working. Yes, good point, Jim. I certainly wondered when they first decided to get together, very different personalities, how that was going to work out. But it has worked out uh, unbelievable. In fact, that uh, the way they're playing and, and the way they've had this year, they've only lost five games all year, which is phenomenal. They go through the Scotties undefeated. So they're certainly the hottest team in Canada and maybe the world right now. So be really, really interesting to watch them perform in Sydney at the Women's Worlds. When is this? When is the uh, Worlds, Warren? Do we, do we know a date right off? Well, I know there it's, it's set, of course. It starts on March the 16th, I believe, 15th or 16th. Boy, if you're a curling fan, uh, you know, like over two weeks ago, you get to start to watch the Scotties. You can disappear into your living room and come out at the end of April <laughs> watching, <laughs> watching curling. We got another slam to squeeze in there too in that time, don't we? Absolutely. The Players' Championship in April. Yes, that's a big one in uh, in Toronto. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, off you go, Tracy, and go win us, win us a gold. What's Happening Around the Curling World is brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City casino games, perfectly made for you. Uh, so let's get a wrap on the whole Scotties. Uh, Kev, why don't you go first? Yeah, well... It was a really good event. It was really well run. Uh, Calgary did themselves proud. Um, they ended up saying that around 60,000 was the uh, total audience over 24 draws. So good, solid crowd. No question, especially on the final weekend. First weekend, pretty good too. And then it's always difficult during the week because it's just such a long event. So, you know, we've hammered on that. It would sure be nice to see these uh, championships shortened up amount of time, but uh, it was a darn good one. And 
You know, we talked about this, I'm not sure, in the last couple of weeks. Um, we do, Like you say, Jimmy, we did a lot of shows last week, but at some time, one of the shows, we talked about the teams that are at the top and play around the world all the time are, are becoming very, very strong. And so out of the, your top seven or eight ranks in the world, the top five all made the playoffs. Uh, on, of course, Holman, Jones, Anderson, that's your big three, Laws, Sturmey, and then the sixth that got in was Cameron, who's now in in number six actually on the rankings. But close is uh, is Inglis and, and Brown out of BC as well. But so basically, though, going into the Scotties, out of the top five, all the top five uh, qualified, and then in six, you could argue who was number six, and uh, so it's kind of predictable a bit. So that's a bit of an issue other than the last weekend. Then it's not an issue, of course. But it's just some keys. I just want to run down a couple of keys. Um, The last game of their own, Robin, I thought was fantastic. Uh, You've got uh, Joanne Rizzo playing in her last Scotties game, beating Jen Jones. That was very, very exciting. And, of course, the Grandy Cameron game, winners in, losers out. So that was a great draw of curling. The big three doing what you thought they would do. And then uh, Jennifer Jones playing her last uh, Scotty's game, which is very emotional for everybody, including the Martin house and every house across Canada, I would think. So there's a lot of really good stories. Um, and of course, team Holman, who's been the best all year from Canada, winning undefeated, making a, you know, putting an exclamation point on the end of that. So a lot of really good stories came out of this, uh, Scotty's tournament hearts. Warren, I like to stir me. You, you guys, you guys have, I, I think started picking her pretty early on. And, uh, you know, we just spoke about how Tracy's, you know, sort of a little more relaxed out there. I thought she was great. Uh, she was she was kind of smiling between every shot uh, on her team. And uh, she had to be one of the stories, Warren. Well, I think with Sturmey, we're looking at the future. She's going to be one of the top teams moving forward in the next few years. And she did, I think, exceptionally well. So that's so... Uh, where the future is going, or part of it anyway. I think some other interesting observations from the week. We've talked a lot about Rachel Holman and her performance, but uh, look at this. We have talked already about her average for the week as a skip, which is outstanding, 89%. But if we look at the plus-minus, and the plus-minus, if you play 5% better than the skip or player you're against, it's a plus. If you're 5 percentage points less, it's a minus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when we look at the plus-minus... Rachel was a plus 11. The closest skip to her was a plus 3. So she outcurled every skip she played against all week. And never mind just losing on Rachel. Tracy was a plus 9, 6 percentage points ahead of her closest competitor. So quite frankly, there was no way last week anybody else really had any chance. I look at the other interesting, Jennifer Jones retires after a fabulous career, but what becomes of her young team who had an outstanding week? I don't think anyone on that team is going to step up to skip, but who's going to skip that team? Maybe Chelsea Carey, who knows? Looking back again at the event, and uh, the seven top ranks were in the event for the first time, but six of those top ranks, one, two, three, four, five, and seven, were the teams that qualified for the last playoff. Daniel Inglis being number six, the only one who missed it. So another interesting thing that Mew is about is to knowing again before the event even starts kind of who those final six are going to be more or less within one or two. Uh, Kev, if you're a, if you're a curler and you see that team uh, disband because Jennifer's retiring, 
do you want to do you want to get in there quick and go listen you guys don't get another skip i'd like to i'd like to take your third <laughs> i'd like to you know uh, would, would there be any of that happening right now kevin uh, I would imagine those phone calls have already started. Oh, yes. okay, there is a, yeah. <laughs> but because you've got some real talent there, and uh, and now does the skip move in? Does Burgess move up because she's really good? So does she move up to skip and then and bring somebody in? And it's there's a lot of discussion to be done. Does do those three stay together? Which they probably do. They're really good together. But there's going to be some teams needing certain assets on their teams that they'll be phoning and wanting, yeah, to be able to to pull assets out of that group. So it'll be an exciting time. Yeah, there'll be some changes. Okay, it's beginning to be one of my favorite segments because I've been kicking your rear ends, fellas. At least I think I have. Time to do some picks, Warren. First of all, how'd we do, Warren? Some of us did quite well. Doesn't sound good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jim, you picked Jones and Sturmey, so you got one out of a possible three points. Okay. Kevin and Warren both hit it out of the park by picking Holman and Jones and both picking Holman as the winner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well, it's a strategy of mine to give you guys a little rope, you know, before I I do the next picks. I don't know if I'm going to participate in your little reindeer games anymore, Warren. Take my ball and go home with my tail between my legs. Warren, the U21 championship ended in Finland last Saturday. We had a couple teams there, the men and women. What's the finals? So in the final, Zena Schwaller of Switzerland defeated Japan 10-3. Swiss won 11 straight games, including a round-robin and a first-round playoff game against Canada. But those games went into extra ends, so Canada came very close to knocking them off. So Marla Plett and her Edmonton foursome, however, were in the bronze medal game against Norway and unfortunately lost 7-5. to So Plett finishes fourth in the women's division and uh, as a result misses the, uh, the relegation next year. So on the men's side... Lucas Hostmelagen of Norway defeated Italy 7-6 in the final, while Denmark defeated the USA 10-9 in the bronze medal game. Edmonton's Johnson Teo finished in seventh spot. So I told you something last week that wasn't totally correct. In fact, we had assumed that the bottom two teams were really relegated, but it's actually the bottom four that get relegated. However, here's the situation. Johnson... Teo finished seventh, which means normally he would be in relegation, but the Olympics is in Italy in 2026. So in 2025, the test event for the Olympics is usually the World Juniors. But Italy has not confirmed yet that this is going to be actually happening. So they're waiting for that confirmation. So if, in fact, Italy does become the host, they are already in the World Juniors because they finished uh, in second spot. So if they are the host, which is all probability, then Canada will get that seventh spot and they will not be subject to relegation. So everybody is still holding their breath on that one at this point. Also want to mention, we got an interesting letter here just after the World Juniors from Grundy Burras, Little Hammer Curling Club. And he says, this weekend, Norway's men's junior team won their first ever World Junior gold medal after 44 attempts. As he said, it was Lucas Hosmaljajan, who is the godson of Thomas Ulstred, who we all remember, and his team finally won it. The last two years, they finished in fourth place at the World Juniors before going all the way. The boys have even one more left in juniors, so they're going to be back again. So special congratulations to that team and certainly to 
Grundy for sending us the email. Uh, good stuff. Uh, there we go. Thank you, uh, Warren. Good breakdown uh, of the U21. Kevin, any thoughts on all of that when you hear it? Well, um, well, I thought Canada, I think we're, we're, we're improving, but once again, no, no podium finishes. So um, we're, I, I guess we're probably maybe improving a, a smidgen, Warren. I, I think it's probably the way the ladies' team are really good, and they're going to win some stuff going forward. But, you know, it's just uh, it's a battle right now for, te- for teams from Canada. The, the world is, is incredibly strong, and uh, once again, no podium. So that's, that's a tough one. Well, and I think the way we're doing this still with the Canadian juniors being held at the end of March and then the team going a year later, the team could be broken up because of age, all sorts of things. I just don't think that's the scenario that we're going to be able to produce the best possible team to go. Yeah, we, I certainly like the stuff we've talked about, Jim, where we have uh, uh, junior camps and put teams together that way, uh, trying to bring your top kids from across Canada together. That. I, I think is probably a little more advantageous than doing the regional, the old-fashioned regional stuff. But anyway, um, uh, there has to be an answer, and it's not—it's not working yet. Uh, good luck, Canada. Keep it going. Keep the keep the grind going. Uh, the Briar starts on Friday. Holy man! Look at he split. Uh, Kev, give us a rundown. We got to do some picks too, of course. Give us a rundown on the teams and who you think has the best shot to qualify for the final six. Yeah, well, let's take a sec here and talk about the teams. You've got Scoffin of the Yukon, you know, um, uh, Trevor Bonneau, uh I believe it's Bonot or Bonneau out of uh, Northern Ontario. He always comes to the Lupus Bonspiel, so a really good guy. He's out of Northern Ontario. Howard, some Howard guy yeah. uh, out of Ontario. Uh is it Jimmy the kid still worn out of uh, New Brunswick? <laughs> Jimmy the older kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, Simmons out of Newfoundland. Dunstone Botcher Crothers, of course. And then Schneider, actually coming out of BC. Um, of course, the Schneider family out of Saskatchewan. Uh, that's Pool A. So pretty pretty good pool. Now, Pool B, you've got, of course, Guju, Team Canada. Jamie Cooey, Alberta. Kevin Cooey. So you got a couple of Cooeys there. Smith out of PEI. Trombley out of Quebec. McEwen, of course, out of Saskatchewan, uh, Latimer, none of it, and then Sluchinski and Manuel out of Nova Scotia. So once again, I think the pools are pretty even, to be honest, which is really good to see. I think the pools are even, so it's uh, it should be a pretty good round robin. A lot of games won't be real close, but I think it's pretty fair, which is great. How many how many Briars has uh, Jamie Cooley qualified for? Seventeen. Yikes. You came up with that number pretty quick, Warren. Yeah, boy, that was fast, Warren. Yeah, just right there at my fingertips. Like a he won his seventeenth Purple Heart when he won the Territories oh, cool. Championship. Okay, Hanson, what uh, what do you think of the whole Briar? What's your take? Well, I'm looking at the two pools, and uh, I'll give you my analysis of Pool A and Pool B. I think in Pool A, four teams that probably have a chance of picking up three of those spots: Ontario, Manitoba, Alberta, Manitoba Dunstan. I should have said Manitoba Crothers. In the B pool, or pardon me, in the A pool, I believe McEwen has got a good shot, along with uh, Cooey, Alberta, Gushu, and Shlensky, Alberta. I think the other interesting thing to note, there's a big game on the first draw. They're going to replay the Alberta championship in the fact that Cooey is going against Shlensky in draw number one. So that'll be the focus of that draw. And I think in draw number two, it's going to be Manitoba against Manitoba when Crothers goes against the Jacobs-Dunstan foursome. So the first two draws have uh, interesting games in them. 
time for the picks. I'm going with, I, I, I love Botcher. I'm going with Botcher. I'm going with Gushu. And I'm going with Mike McEwen. He's got to be ready, okay? Well, that's not such a long shot. He had a, a really good playoff in Saskatchewan. I think he went undefeated, so he's rolling. Uh, okay, here's my next three. Write these down, Warren. Cooey? Kevin or Jamie? Kevin. Okay. And I'll pick Dunstone, the old goat, Howard. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, Kevin. Want me to pick? Yep. All right. I've got uh, Guju. I've got Kevin Cooey, and I've got Aaron Sluchinski. And I've got Dunstone. I've got Botcher, and I've got Carruthers. Okay. At a pool A, I will take Dunstan, Butcher, and Carruthers. And at a pool B, I will take Kevin Cooey, Gushu, and Shalinsky. There we go. We got him. Copied me. Yeah. Is it the same, <laughs> thing, same things you picked? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you <laughs> Well, in the Scotties, it was very uh, consistent with the rankings. So we'll see if it holds true in the Briar. Yeah, I mean, I really believe, other than the, uh, in, in, in my picks in Pool B, A, yeah, McEwen's got a good shot. He could he could move in there. We'll see what happens. You know, in Nova Scotia, Manuel, uh, he was pretty good last year. He could slide in there. Um, and of course, in Pool A, Glenn Howard could certainly be a factor. He better. I picked him. And, and maybe Schneider. Schneider gets it going. So yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, it starts this Friday in Regina. Uh, Warren, I did a briar patch in Regina, and uh, one year it was uh, it was a Mardi Gras theme. Party Gras. Party, Party Gras. Gras. The most famous briar patch that we ever had in Everest yeah. Place, I believe, where we had uh, eight thousand people in there on more than on more than one occasion. The times they haven't changed. Okay, Kev, you're on your way to Minnesota for a charity bond spiel for lupus. Tell us about that. Well, there's actually been, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on uh, all over the place. Um, So I guess let's talk about next week. This is in Brainerd Lakes, which isn't too far from Minneapolis. Um, We're doing a Kevin Martin Curling Academy there on March 9th and 10th. So that's going to be awesome. We'll see everybody there next week. Um, But the one you're talking about, which is the 10th annual Lupus Spiel, um, that's a very popular event. Every team, Jim, in the event gets a celebrity skip. So you bring in a team of three, you get paired up with a celebrity skip. I believe Eve Meerhead's coming this year. I'll be there. Uh, I haven't seen the whole list, but it's always great. I think Pat Ryan's coming back and so on. Lots of, uh, lots of great teams. And I also do an academy before that starts, actually, every year. So this will be my, I think, about eight years um, working with the Lupus uh, Research Foundation. That's Regan and Todd Burr. Todd Burr, of course, got a bronze at the World Championships in 07, I believe, Warren. Real good curler. Uh, him and his wife, uh, Regan, they run the foundation, have for years. It's fantastic. Um, but then also this summer, Jim, in the end of June, we're doing full for the first time, moving the Kevin Martin Curling Academy down south for the three-day camps that we've run for years and years in Edmonton. And the junior camp is almost actually getting pretty full. So any juniors that want to come to the camp need to get on it fairly quickly. That's uh, June 24, 25, and 26 
at the Four Seasons Curling Club in Blaine, Minnesota. That's important for any of the kids uh, want to get there. And then there's an adult camp. There's lots of room in the adult camp. Yeah, the junior one's getting very close to full. And that's June 28, 29, and 30, also at the Four Seasons Club. So thanks for asking, but that's, uh, there's a lot of activity going on in the States. There's, the curling is growing so fast, and so really excited to be involved with the Lupus uh, Research Foundation and putting on these great events. Next, Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, We'll go to the emails. Uh, Hi, guys. It's Chris Schrader. There we go. There's his name. From Coronac, Saskatchewan. I was watching the Saskatchewan men's tankard a couple of weeks ago, and I really liked the no-tick rule on the centerline guards. But for teams with the hammer... It would be nice to see a way to have a no-tick on corner guards somehow. I saw teams with hammer trying to set up center guards, but it didn't help them much. Your thoughts, fellas. Keep up the good work on the podcast, boys. That's from Chris Schrader. This is something that's been talked about, actually, even at the World Curling Federation level. Um, uh, there's definitely lots of different talk. Uh, do you put a line that needs to be um, hit, uh, an area that needs to be hit so the rocks are safe, or as a rule simple enough that you cannot promote a rock from the free guard zone out of the free guard zone, which means out of play or into the house. That would that would solve that very quickly. Um, the, the problem is, Jim, you throw a corner guard up and the team bumps it into the back corner of the house and rolls their shooter to the boards. Well, now the other team can, you can throw a guard, but on swinging ice, even if they throw a good guard, they can come around and bump the rock out of the back eight or back 12 and the three is gone. Because then mathematically, peel, 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 peel. Eventually, they come around the corner. You peel the corner guard. Maximum you can give up is two if all the shots are made. That's that's the reason for this, Jim, is that if you throw a corner, you need to stay a corner because then you can get two corners up, be it on the same side or opposite sides. Mathematically, if everybody makes their shots, you can still get three. Whereas if you're allowed to bump into the house and you roll your shooter out of play, the maximum you're going to give up is two. And that's the reason for this this talk, and it is something that needs to be done. Yes, and it will be done. It's already being talked about at the highest level, so it'll happen. They just have to figure out how. And once again, I ask a lot. I'd love to see some emails from the listeners. What are your thoughts on this? Because it's really important, I think, that we, we do it. But you don't want to just do it haphazardly. Do it right. Warren, agree? Disagree? Yes, I think something has to be done. Uh, good explanation by Kevin. The double corner guard philosophy uh, is all based on scoring three versus otherwise you can't get more than two with a single car- corner guard. And, of course, if you're playing towards the middle, who knows what you can do. But the corner guard philosophy or doubles is that's the way you score three. So I agree. Something has to be done. Uh, maybe it is another line that has to be put down each side where it acts the same way as the center line when someone puts a rock on that line touching it it cannot be removed until after the fifth rock so good email and i think a good topic for discussion and let's see what it brings about thanks a lot chris for your email if you want to email us inside curling at gmail.com inside curling at gmail.com what are you hearing and what are we hearing in the semifinal 
of the Scotties, Jennifer Jones, scored five in the first end against Kate Cameron. It was pretty obvious by the sixth end who was going to be the winner. So a number of fans thought, and of course that's Jennifer, a number of fans thought the Cameron team should have been able to concede the game. But Curling Canada rules say they had to play at least nine ends. Warren, tell us about the rule and why they couldn't, and do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, this has been going on forever, and I always like to say, you know, this is the difference between a major event and a bond spiel. In a bond spiel, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's no television, there's no fans. If you want to quit after four ends, go ahead. But when you're running an event, there's a lot of things that begin to become impacted by this game going to its full limit. If we look back into history, during the years of McDonald Tobacco and the Briar for 50 years, and this is when there were 12-end games, every ruck had to be thrown, no matter what the score, no matter what the situation, all the stones had to be delivered. When McDonald's left in 1979, Labatt came on board. Curling, Canadian Curling Association took over the on-ice administration at that point, and that's when pressure from the provincial associations got things to the point where, well, you could concede after eight ends. But what happens in a, a major final, it's again, from a television end of things, it's a real issue because, again, they have booked a three-hour broadcast spot uh, across the entire network. They've re rented satellite time for that three hours. And there's commercial content around every end of that event. So every end where it's conceded, so if they concede after six ends, there's four ends of commercial content that are gone. And so now the people who own that, which in the case of the Briar and Scotties is the Canadian Curling Association or Curling Canada and TSN, they've got to somehow make up all that airtime. So it's it's a huge issue. And so there's always been kind of a compromise. And the other thing is in, in the middle of a single game where there's no other games on the ice, where is the television network going to go to if all of a sudden after the sixth end, the hands come out and they shake? Um, and so what we used to do back in my time was we would come to an agreement with a television network as the game is progressing that, okay, if they want to quit after the eighth end, they can because we now have a place to go. But if that happens without them knowing it's going to, it can create some major issues. And, of course, in the building. I've always been at the point of someone goes to a golf course to watch Tiger Woods or one of the famous golfers, they want to see them play. And the same thing with a curler. I can remember a little kid going to the Briar in 1954 and – Matt Baldwin. I mean, if Matt Baldwin had conceded the game after four ends, I would have been devastated. So there's a lot to be considered when you're playing in a big event with television. And those are all the things that I think people watching it sometimes forget or curlers who haven't played that level forget. Kevin. Yeah, well, gambling too, right? As, uh, as the sport goes further and further into the gambling realm, then uh, obviously over-under makes a big difference. Um, there's just lots of lots of different scenarios that causes trouble. So probably as the gambling part of curling, which is I think on the horizon and will be very big because there's just so many ways to 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 enjoy the sport of curling that way. Um, we'll we'll find more and more of the big events need to finish. You need to finish the score. No different than hockey. If it's four or nothing halfway through the third, it's over. But if you've got to play till the end of the game, it could end up four to two. It could end up six nothing. But that's a big difference in over and under, and and it's important. So uh, curling is, as it grows, which it is <laughs> like crazy right now, um, these decisions have to be made as to do you have to finish the game, every rock thrown, what is the rule? Because it, it, it matters when it comes to the gambling side of things. Right. And also to Warren's point, 
particularly that game and that situation with Jennifer Jones. You know, her, her, her last, her last Scotties, like Warren says, if I walk in there, I'm going to go, we got to go see Jennifer Jones. She's never, you know, it's her, it's her final. It's her swan song. Then they shake hands at six or seven. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't. Hey, Jimmy, they do that. They're going to go to Toronto and watch the players. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The only other sport where you can end before the regulation time that I'm aware of is boxing. Because right. you have yeah. no choice. Yeah. <laughs> just, just fall to your knees. You want it to end early. Yeah. Uh, there you go. What a show. Packed. Thanks a lot to Tracy Fleury for joining us. And uh, for all you people who are listening, you want to email us, insidecurling at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. It's become a regular part of the show is reading your emails. It's all about you. Uh, In-house strategies is the company run by Rod Paulson who handles all of our Facebook stuff. And uh, it's growing rapidly, uh, the posts that we put up and the impressions. So uh, check it out. There's lots of action on there. Before we go, Warren, you have a special email that you received this morning you want to read. Hi, guys. Thank you for producing such an amazing show. Very informative, and Jim's even funny sometimes. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to let you know that a big curling event is happening this week. The Special Olympics Canada Winter Games are running this week in Calgary, and there are eight sports with curling being one of them. The curling event is being held at the North Hill Curling Club with 22 teams participating from all across the country. Ten provinces and territories are represented. And the event runs from the 27th, which was yesterday, to March 2nd. The athletes have been training hard for the past year and are excited to hit the ice. And that comes from Kevin Leibel, who is the Alberta team coach of the curling. Oh, thanks a lot for saying that, Kevin. Appreciate it. Good luck. Uh, let us know. You've got an event coming up. Give it a little plugaroo. Uh, speaking of plug, Warren, I got when I'm not doing this, Kevin, I'm recording life stories. I got a website uh, that my daughter designed. And I said, I, I know a guy, if you're wondering whether it was a good website, I know a guy, if you can get his approval, you're sailing, okay? So I sent it off to Warren. I said, okay, strap in, Jim, okay? He can be very uh, constructive. And I got the okay from Warren. What's the website, Jim? The website is. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I got it. The website is recordyourstory.info. If you want me to record your story or a family or a parent, uh, check it out. Uh, recordyourstory.info. Well, how many have you done, Jim? Because it's really cool. Yeah. You were one of the first guys I asked about doing it because I want to do Warren's story and I want to do yours or your fa or your father's, uh, you know, uh, story, parents. Uh, since that time, I've now done over 40. 40. Uh, wow, oh, good for you. Yeah, over, including Bruce Saville. Yeah. A great, great curling guy yep. and a bunch of other people. So thanks for that. Uh, Recordyourstory.info. Appreciate it. Uh, Jackpot City, Coyote, Goldline, who make all of this possible. We certainly appreciate them. And uh, we encourage you to support those companies. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, next week. How many shows are we doing now, Warren? What, 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 I gotta wipe out the whole week? <laughs> we'll probably be doing two, like we did from the Scotties, Thursday and Friday. Two extra shows, two special yep. shows. Yep. Good Plus deal. We look forward to that. Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the briar. Starts in a couple of days. See you, Kevin. See you, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.